Welcome to the Forgotten Art Project Podcast, where we ask the question, what makes you feel alive? These are the stories of your pursuit. Hi, I'm Kara Flowers, and um, I am a momentum coach. I'm a professional actor and I currently live in Los Angeles, but I'm from Kansas originally. Kansas, awesome. What was it like growing up in Kansas? Probably what you think. <laughs> close, pretty close to boring, conservative, slow-paced, uh, and also full of people that value people and people that value family and um, you know, doing the right thing. So there was a healthy balance of good values and sheer boredom. Nice. <laughs> awesome. uh, so what, when you were younger, what were your passions and dreams? What were you excited about pursuing? As long as I can remember, I have always loved art and color and, and drawing and coloring and painting and being creative more than anything um it was just that act of of creating something visually mm. you know like as a small kid my my mom used to take me to a store called hobby lobby mm -hmm. I don't know if you know this they don't have them everywhere but i would lose my shit in a hobby lobby <laughs> because it was just so many crafts different things that you could create and make and with your hands and then visually and Boy, I remember this one time my mom took me um, into Hobby Lobby and I decided that I wanted to learn how to draw cartoons. And I went to the drawing section and there was a book on cartoons. And so I got it. I was so excited. I couldn't wait to get home. I spent hours just like learning how to draw cartoon faces and figures. And I literally to this day, I can draw the exact characters that I, that I taught myself to learn when I was like, I had to have been maybe 10. Cool. Yeah, loved it. Always loved it. That's so cool. I did, uh, I was really into animals when I was younger too. And I, same thing, like the how to draw animals. I remember spending so much time working through right? that. Yeah. So much fun. Yeah. But now my daughter is actually doing that now. They have a uh, YouTube tutorial. So you like draw along with them. It's pretty cool. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> nice. So what did that kind of manifest into as you got older? How did that expand? It's so interesting because the, the way that it changed was, well, the way that it expanded is that basically every birthday gift, every Christmas gift that I got from the ones that I enjoyed from my aunts, my uncles, my parents, they were all art. You could buy me a box of crowns and a big, you know, drawing pad and, and I was a happy girl. And so what that did, what happened is that my, my family, my parents really encouraged that creativity as I saw how much I liked it. And um, and because I like it so much, I put in so much effort. So I, I was good at what I did, mm. which led into that kind of being like, a one of my first identities as a kid, you know, like mm -hmm. I was the kid that could do all the bubble letters, you know, I could like, I could write my friends' names really, really cool. And, um, you know, make up little like logos for people. Like my friends had their own logos and, um, and cartooning, which led to art class. And in art class, I was really good. And so I like, won every art contest as a kid. Literally, my dad's um, company has a Christmas card contest 
North American Salt Company, and I won it five years in a row. Um, and then they made a rule that you could only win it twice. <laughs> I just I won every art contest that I did as a kid, and that really it gave me so much confidence. It was a thing that I was good at, and I think because I was different, you know, I'm biracial. I'm half black and growing up in a place that's very white, it was, I didn't always fit in and, and I was a tomboy and I had this frizzy, crazy hair and an underbite and a unibrow and a mustache and <laughs> I just, I didn't fit in, but with getting like emotional thinking about it, like with art, the fact that I could create something that I loved and that other people enjoyed, that was, that was the thing that gave me a sense of value and, and purpose as a kid that just did not fit in. Mm. That's so cool. Yeah. It was just like really strong identity that you created growing up through that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I, I'm cheating because I know a little bit of your story ahead of time, but <laughs> so you did that. Did you first pursue art as like a career and then went in a different direction or what, how did that work? Good question, right? I mean, obviously I'm still very emotionally connected to that identity and that part of me as a child. And I think my mom and even my teachers thought I would probably do graphic design or something like that. Um, but at around 12 years old, I discovered spoken word poetry. Mm. And I realized you could create an emotional experience with words um, and I became hooked. And then I started taking all my artistic, you know, endeavors and really dialing it into performance art. And I mean, like literally when I saw this movie called Slam, I, that was like such a vivid moment. I know exactly where I was in my living room. It was summer. I was sitting in, this, um, in the you know, recliner looking at our big projection screen TV with my mouth open because I'd never seen somebody expressed so much through poetry and I was hooked. So I started writing poetry in high school. I started doing performance art and with um, debate and forensics. And so my focus started to shift from just like art and drawing to like this amazing expression of performance art. So I won a bunch of state titles. I went to nationals a bunch, was a national semifinalist twice. Um, and forensics, which is now called speech and drama, but it was basically performance of poetry and prose and drama. And I remember this one point, my forensics teacher said to me, who was like my mentor, he was everything to me. And he said to me one day, you know, you could, you could be an actor if you wanted to. And I was like, yeah, right. I live in Lyons, Kansas. <laughs> Nobody does anything from here, California, New York, it just seems so impossible. And I didn't, honestly did not believe that I could do that. Hmm. I mean, going to college was a big deal. Nobody in my family had ever gone to and graduated from a, a university. So it just didn't seem, didn't seem like it was gonna happen. So I went to undergrad and studied and I did forensics there for a year and then you know kind of drifted away from the artist in me and and went through life trying to figure that out you know yeah did I answer your question 
Yeah, totally. I think, yeah, so many of us have that same thing. We just kind of like, all of a sudden we're just kind of going through and we're not really directing it anymore and it's not being fueled by these things. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, so you didn't actually pursue acting at I first. I actually gave like, I would still write poetry mm -hmm. in my journals and stuff, but I, I gave it up. I was like, you can't make a career out of an artist. Artists don't matter. Artists don't make any money. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm stuck in Kansas. I can't afford to do, to go here and do that. And I just had all of these beliefs about what it meant to be an artist that were, it was just over, the dream was overwhelming and I quit. It was too big. It was too big. Mm. When that, when that mentor of yours, when he said you could do this, did that give you just a little spark at all? It obviously never left. I mean, yeah. here I am, 20 years later, I can tell you I was laying on the couch and his room was cool. He had a sofa in his room. I was laying on the couch in his room reading a book and he was at his desk. I remember very clearly and he said it to me and I just remember staring at the book like, he's crazy. I can't, why would he think I can do that? Yeah. It definitely planted a seed. Cool. I'm so, I'm so obsessed with that idea of that like, Somebody can say one little small thing and that can change the trajectory of your entire life. Oh my God. And, and just like you watching that movie, that just like exploded this whole next phase of what you, you know, decided you were gonna do and pursue. It's so true. It just takes, it's like, it's so interesting the way that we hold on to things unconsciously, right? Mm -hmm. Because I, I had always been an artist. I'd known nothing different. And for some reason, limiting beliefs, upbringing, environment, whatever, I didn't see the future, but he did. Mm -hmm. And all he did was just say it matter of fact. It, and it, it's still influencing my life. Yeah, that's so cool. I love it. Wow. So, but then you went to law school. <laughs> <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> the 20s how did that happen that that happened when I was really searching for who I was uh, having started a business and um, trying to understand entrepreneurship trying to understand myself trying to figure out life I was actually hosting an election party I was doing on camera like you know posting for parties for people's blogs and websites and when Obama, who I was obsessed with because he's biracial, his mom's from Kansas, um, he went to you know, law school to help people. He wanted to be a civil rights attorney. All these things mattered to me a lot. And when he got elected, I, like, I was in the middle of interviewing somebody and they announced it. And I just looked over at the big screen and was like, holy shit, like history just has been made. Somebody that I identify with has just done the impossible. And I said to myself in that moment, I have to do better. I have to be more. And at the time I needed a level of confidence and a level of status, mm -hmm. right? I had dropped out of college by this time. So I didn't even have my degree, my business, you know, entrepreneurship. I was young. So I was still like in the rocky phases. And I was like, I have to do better. I'm going to law school. I, I wanted to model Obama. Mm. 
he did something impossible and he's so much like me. Maybe I can do the same thing. And I put my blinders on. I even said to one of my friends at the time, the summer before I started law school, I know that a part of me has to die in order to do this, but mm -hmm. I'm going to do it. And, and I was talking about that artist. Mm -hmm. And that's another one of those super vivid moments. We were in Atlanta. I was at a cafe. It was after a friend's birthday. We were all drinking coffee. And I, I remember her face, Corey. I remember saying this to her and like, I felt, I felt the artist in me die in order to pursue this. So I went and it was hard. It was hard for all the reasons I didn't think it would be hard. And looking back, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. but like looking back, the reason law school was so hard is because I was trying, it was like a square peg in a round hole. I was trying so hard to like fit into this environment. And I was trying to be that creative, artistic, loving, sharing, collaborative person. And this just wasn't the place for it. That's, you can do those things in law school, but it wasn't the fit for me. Mm -hmm. And after two of the hardest, most challenging, like honestly, dangerous and self-sabotaging years of my life, I got to a point where I just broke. Like I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't fight and pretend and become this person, this person who was abusing Adderall, this person who was, you know, abusing friends, herself, completely devoid of any purpose and love in life. I couldn't do it. And another vivid moment, I was sitting in my boyfriend's car. We just pulled up to his house and we'd been fighting about something really stupid. And he was like, what is wrong with you? And I full blown reverted to a seven year old and threw a tantrum and, <laughs> and I cried and I said, I wanna be an actor. And it was so pathetic and miserable. I was bawling my eyes out and here he is, a, an incredible musician. That's all he's ever been in his entire life as a musician. And he was like, so do it. <laughs> and of course I'm like, you don't understand that this is so, I threw a huge fit. And you know, and that was, that was the point when my law career started to fade. And then at the same time, this dream of an artist started rising up in me. I mean, totally connected. Mm. That is so powerful. It's like, <laughs> Cause I think about all the time when like, sometimes it's not as big, but like this piece of us dies. Right. And you like literally spoke that into existence. Like I'm going to let this die, but it wasn't just like the small little part. It was like, <laughs> like 90% of you. <laughs> right. The only identity I had ever really known. Yeah. I was like, die. Yeah. Oh man. It's so like the, expectations and just what we think that we should do and that you know of society and how like we get through there is is so impactful it's just crazy how much influence that has over us yeah it's overwhelming yeah. when we feel like we're not enough and we're not worthy and when we feel like we got proved to people you know like i got i got proved to my mom that i'm 
going to make money and I got to prove to people that I'm smart because I know I'm smart. People don't, they don't, they don't look at me as smart. So what am I going to do? I'm going to do the one thing I know I can do to make everybody bow down to my intelligence. I'm going to be a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good idea. Yeah. Good learning experience. I had some flavor of that. People definitely look at you differently when you say you're in law school. Um, and it's part of my journey and I'm grateful for it. Uh, but, but obviously that wasn't it. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you decide I'm going to be an, an actress. I'm going to, I'm going to like embrace my artistic side again. So what, what did you, what was your next step? How did you let that there's, there's an important step before then. My okay. life collapsed. Okay. Completely. Um, I was asked to leave law school um, because I got caught thinking about cheating. <laughs> Literally, I got caught um, like soliciting somebody to write a paper for me. And I ended up, you know, freaking out like, oh my God, I can't do that. Okay, I'm going to write the paper. I ended up writing the paper, turning it in. Um, but the person that I solicited figured out that I was a law student and forwarded all of the information to the dean. And the dean called me in the office. I went through an entire trial, had to hire a lawyer, go in front of the deans, in front of a panel of uh, law, uh, law professors, and ask for their forgiveness. And they concluded, you did not cheat. You didn't do anything wrong other than you attempted to gain an unfair advantage. And for that, even though you're in your third and final year of law school, you are now kicked out of law school for 18 months or two years. Oh, it was halfway through my first semester when I found this out, October 19th, 2012. <laughs> and as that happened, right, I'm at my low point. This is when I started doing my morning routine again and journaling and asking myself, what do I love? I got to find something because this, mm -hmm. this thing that I have is sinking. And it was in this moment, early in the morning with a cup of coffee, where I said, I love blah, 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 acting. And then what was one, I was asking myself, what is one thing I can do that will take less than five minutes and get me on the path to doing this thing? So that was also like volunteering. Um, I loved animals. And so I started like looking up animal shelters, volunteer opportunities. And with acting, it was like, can you just reach out to someone about getting headshots? So I did all those things. I reached out to somebody about getting headshots. That was a model. He said to me, I don't know anybody, but I know an acting teacher. If you're thinking about acting, he's great. Here's his email. Email him. I was like, whoa, I didn't ask for that. I emailed that acting teacher, asked to audit. He said, cool, um, you can come in. Um, class is on Thursday, 35 bucks. I show up, I go to class. He's like, why don't you just participate? I participated, I did really well. He spent three hours after a three hour class with me talking about this passion of wanting to go back into being an actor. After that, his advice to me was listen to your heart. So I listened to my heart. He said, why don't you come into um, audit my auditions. I'm doing a community theater show of It's a Wonderful Life. Come and see what that process is like and help me out. I showed up. The director asked me to audition at the callback. I did the callback. I booked the lead role of Mary Hatch Bailey um, and It's a Wonderful Life. That December, I started my first, you know, theater show. Um, that February, I got my first um, agent. That March, I booked my first role, which was Let's Be Cops, which made $120 million worldwide. I only had one line, 
was in the trailer and I got recognized in a CVS once. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so literally it was in a, a less like five, six months from the time that I said, oh, I love acting. Maybe I could do that. That from there to there, I became a professional actor. Cool. And that was like, that was it. I knew from that point forward, not only is this possible, the way that, that, that like the universe and God just laid out this opportunity for me, I knew that that was my path, you know? Mm -hmm. That's amazing. That's so cool. So when you look back at like going through just like letting that piece of yourself die and then coming forward, I know for me, I was like, I have this different perspective now. When I came back to music, I'm like, it's different for me now than it was for me back then. And it was almost better in some ways. You have this like whole different perspective around it. So what was that like for you? Yeah, I, I completely appreciate that like journey, especially as a musician, because I think with this musician, like the music lives in you. You guys have this magic ability to like cast a net and bring something like down and manifest it in a way that is just so beautiful and magical. I think as an, as an actor revisiting it the second time, there was this almost like respect and appreciation for that, that, that passion that mm. I, I really feel God just put in me. This is with me since I was a child. There was like a respect and a reverence for it. Mm. And because I had that respect and that reverence for it, I was unwilling to let anything ever stand in the way again of me being in that creative space. Like I just dove in. It, there was nothing I wouldn't sacrifice. And I did, I sacrificed my living situation, right? I lived with my sister on a mattress on the floor at one point. I had two roommates. I you know, got fired from a job. I took small jobs when I needed to. I poured everything into the craft and that respect, that energy, like art is, it's a force. It is such a force, no matter what type of art it is, to be an artist means that you like exist as a part of that force and you have a moral obligation to yourself and to the world to engage in that energy. Mm. And when you depart from that and then you come back to it, it's like, whoa, okay, this commands my energy and focus and attention and resources. And so for me, I, I sort of surrendered to that, like, okay whatever it is, you know? And that surrender led me to literally giving up everything and moving to LA after I had a really successful career in Atlanta as a regional actor. Mm. It was like, oh, I see a glass ceiling. I literally, David, I gave away everything that I owned. If it didn't fit in my Prius, I didn't bring it to California. And I just went on faith. Like I knew God wanted me to go to LA. I had some things pulling me there, but no job no friends, no, I had like $8,000 saved. And I went on faith because I was surrendering to the power of art. Yeah, to the <laughs> path, to your pursuit. I love it so much. <laughs> so good, I'm getting chills right now. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> oh man. All right, well, so my favorite question to get people thinking is just to ask like, what makes you feel alive? And I know you ask yourself that question all the time. Um, 
what advice would you give somebody else who is wanting to pursue a more fully alive version of themselves? That's kind of tough. My advice to a person who wants to pursue a more fully alive version of themselves is to get quiet, go deep, Mm. connect with that inner child that had a bounding joy. Figure out what that thing was and hold on to that and never let that go. And when you come back to the present, to all your problems, to your life, hold on to that like like there's no tomorrow. Because that holding on to that joy, that unbounding passion, that thing that was always in you and that's always been in you, that thing will lead you. I almost think like Harry Potter. Mm. You know in Quidditch, the little ball? Yeah. It's like if you can grab that thing and go for the ride, it's going to take you rapidly where you need to go. It'll lead you to personal growth that's necessary. It'll lead you to the right people. It will lead you down the right paths and you'll do the impossible that you never thought you could ever do. And then when you get to the impossible world by holding on to that thing, you'll discover a whole new world that you didn't even know was there. And that's what's happening for me. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening for you too. Like art is the thing that led you back to holding on to that. But look at, look at what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. You, now you're a coach. Now you're sharing your story and other people's stories and think of the unbelievable world that you're opening up for the people you've chosen to touch because you grabbed onto that and didn't let go. It's unreal. The life that I get to live and the life that I choose to live on a daily basis, it is unimaginable from a little girl in Lyons, Kansas, who never thought I'd ever escape to living in the city I always wanted to live in, earning more money than my parents combined. It's unimaginable. Pursuing my passion in all areas of life, just filled with joy and gratitude. And I know there's, there's more love and joy and peace and abundance. And so that is the advice I would give to someone that's wanting to live fully alive. Grab it and don't ever let go. Amazing. I love it. I love talking to you. You give me so much energy. I love it. Thank- Likewise. We're yes. just we're playing ping pong with the energy, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story today. I really appreciate it. And I know a bunch of other people are going to be inspired by your story. So thank you. Thank you for making this space for me to share. Honestly, it's, it's a huge blessing and I'm grateful. And it doesn't just pass on by me. I appreciate you making the space and and I'm grateful for what you're doing, David. Thank you. You're welcome.